right, hello, it is Josh Bow, one of the many editors over at MavsMoneyBall.com, coming to you with another edition of Mavs Moneyball After Dark, coming to you with one of the more most frustrating losses I think the Mavericks have had all season. They lose 107-104 in overtime to the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, excuse me. Wait, that's not the right score, is it? Uh, Oh, my gosh. What am I looking at? Yeah, 107-104 to the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, Just a bad loss. Uh, The Mavericks dropped back to 500. Um. I'm here with uh, Stafford Luke Askew. Um, we're here again because Kirk is out of town. I'm sorry I sound a little flabbergasted because I'm just thinking about all the crazy plays that happened in this game and how frustrating it was to watch this game. To be honest, this is one of the most difficult games I think I've watched from the Mavericks in a long time. I mean, this was this was an ugly basketball game all the way around from the Mavericks, from the Lakers. I mean, it was... It felt like it was two teams that were just trying to give the game away. Um, and neither team really felt like winning. Uh, and then a bunch of really crazy shots happened off really horrible offensive possessions. And it was just, man, uh, I've got a lot of thoughts, but I want to kick it to Luke, our fellow staffer, you know, once again, filling in for Kirk since Kirk's out of town. Luke, first off, how are you doing? And what are you thinking about this game? Oh, you know, I'm delighted to be here, devastated by the circumstances. Um, I think my first thought is that Austin Reeves being the best player on the floor during a Mavs-Lakers game is uh, not as surprising as it should be. Um, I'm I'm kidding. Obviously, Austin Reeves wasn't the best player, but... um, I I so let's just jump right into the final shot. I I saw Austin Reeves in summer league in Vegas and I feel like I had this like premonition, if that's the right word, where I was like I feel like this guy's going to do something. And I didn't think it would be to our detriment necessarily, but of course it was. Um I mean like you said, neither team really deserved to win this we I mean we were going back and forth in the slack a little bit about how it felt like Russ's corner three canceled out Tim's 35 footer and then Maxi just banked one and it was like all these weird things were happening <laughs> and it, it and yet though it still was like the Mavs game that they just lost yeah um yeah we could start right at the end with austin reeves like you said man career high 15 points career high five three-pointers um he's a rookie um people are getting very mad at me online to note that he has one less he made one less three-pointer in this game than josh green has made all season um you're a truth teller you're a truth teller uh, apparently people are just really mad about that i mean it wasn't josh green's fault the mavericks lost this game just noting like I mean, the Lakers can throw out a rookie and get that kind of production, and the Mavericks can't, you know, just the Mavericks can't seemingly throw out anyone off their bench uh, besides their core, you know, six or seven guys and get that type of production. I mean, feels like there's only, like, three guys on this team that can score double figures, and everyone else is just, like, is just pretty hopeless. Um, So that's more of what 
more of what I meant by that, not trying to say that Josh Green was the reason they lost this game. He clearly wasn't. Um, and yeah, it just it, uh, the the shot, he was wide open. You know, the Mavericks doubled a lot in the fourth quarter. Um, and Reeves kind of made them pay. And I think the Mavericks were kind of daring some of these Lakers role players to shoot. It worked out a couple times. I mean, Avery Bradley shot one of five. Wayne Ellington shot three of nine, even though he made the the game tying shot at the end of regulation. Um, but yeah, that that final defensive possession, you know, they didn't foul. You know, they could have fouled. I don't know if I think they had a foul to give. They also had a foul to give. I think on the final possession regulation. Um, I don't know why they were so aggressive with the double team. I thought they played straight up man-to-man defense pretty decently especially against lebron uh and then for whatever reason they just kind of started sending two guys at him uh at the end of regulation and at the end of, and in overtime uh, i thought it was a really good play by russell westbrook because when he caught it i was like oh man he's gonna jack this up and he was like really patient and and drove into the defense and got into the paint and then drew the defense and found austin reeves and and tim hardway jr fouled him by like I, they didn't call it but yeah he fouled him too so the mavericks kind of got lucky you know if he would have missed that uh i think the laker lakers fans would be uh pretty upset if that's how it went down but yeah i think too if the the mavs would have had a timeout and could have drawn something up and advanced the ball that no call would have been a lot more obvious too um with only i think it was 0.9 on the clock after it went in they had to just get up a heave anyways and i don't i don't think i don't think was it Dorian? I don't think he even got it off in time. It was um, Reggie, but yeah. Or Reggie, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, but yeah, like you said, he got he got fouled. It could have been a four-point play. There's a world where, like, the Mavs have a timeout. They advance it. But because he got fouled there, they're actually down four instead of three and can't tie it up anyways. But that's neither here nor there. One more thing on Austin Reeves. I was thinking about this. So, I, I feel like it. I just wish we had a heater that could just come in and just like do something fun one every once every like five to ten games. Like I know, I know Austin Reeves isn't some magical player, and I know that. Like I'm not. I'm not asking for an all star. I just want. I want someone fun. I want someone fun to come off the bench and give us a, like a heater every once in a while, go five for six in a game. And I want someone to be excited about. I want, and I know I feel, I feel weird because it's, we're a fan base that gets the luxury of having Luca, which like 26 other fan bases would just do anything for, but it's kind of like, it's like that psychology thing where like once someone becomes rich, then their happiness spikes for a little bit and then it plateaus because that's their new norm. Like getting Luca spiked my happiness for a while <laughs> and now it's plateaued because we just can't do anything with it. So like, I, I, I just need more. I need more. It's just not fun anymore. Yeah. This game was, I mean, now, now that we've kind of talked about the last shot, uh, just talking about the game as a whole, it was, I mean, this was one of the worst games I've watched in a while. You know, the Mavericks offense, they shot under 40% from the floor. They shot 27% from three. And both of those numbers are better than what, like, those numbers are deceiving um, because the Mavericks tossed in some absolute garbage shots uh, at the end of regulation and in overtime. 
Uh, I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. hit a three. I, I can't remember if it was. I, I think he hit it uh, in overtime, and it was just the one of the worst offensive possessions I've seen from the Mavericks all night. And he ends up catching the ball with like one second on the shot clock, and he's thirty feet from the rim. And the ball like hasn't even really touched the paint, and, and, and like Dorian was handling it like a bunch, and and he just kind of threw up a prayer and it went in. You know, Maxi's three uh, that he made, I think that was also an overtime. Like he banked it in, although that was at least like a better possession. Um, and you know, Westbrook tossed in a a, a trash three pointer as well. Wayne Ellington's game tying shot happened after Maxi and Kristaps both had the rebound and they lost it because they were fighting each other for the rebound. Um, just, just like aesthetically and entertainment wise, it was, it was ugly. I mean, there's two teams that just, like I said earlier, just didn't seem like they wanted to win. I mean, you look up and down the box score and Jalen Brunson played a hero game in a, in a in a junkyard game like this where neither team had any, you know just did not want to make any baskets the fact that he was able to score 25 points on 18 shots you know with Anthony Davis guarding the rim you know with Lebr- with LeBron James also in the front line like more power to Jalen great like the only bright spot of this game to me and then everyone else just not just like bad shooting games but just like horrific shooting games like Dorian was four of 11. Um, you know, Kristaps was eight of 23. Uh, and he was two of nine um, from mid range. He took nine mid range shots and he only made two. Um, just, just grow like uh, Tim Harvey Jr. tossed in some shots to make his stat line look a little more respectable, but he had one of the worst shot selection nights I've seen from him in a long time. Every single shot he was taking, aside from maybe like a handful, were just contested, no movement jump shots. Uh, and Trey Burke was four of twelve, and the magic of Trey Burke, you know, lasted one game. And it's just like you know, Reggie Bullock scored zero points in twenty minutes, no made none of his shots. Oh four, um, and this is after everyone you know started throwing a parade for him when he scored fifteen points. Um, against the Hornets uh, and when he scored – no, when he scored 50 points against the Grizzlies and everyone was throwing a parade. And since that game, he's played four games and in two of them he's scored zero points in them. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's been 28 games. Like, I'm sick and tired of hearing, well, it's going to come around, it's going to come around. Like, it's been 28 games of this. Like, do we need to wait another 28 games? And if it's still doing this, like, what are you going to say then? Like, the small sample size is over, man. Like this is smart analytical people that cover this league say between 20 and 30 games is kind of what that's what your team is. I think nylon calculus, a very smart website actually like pointed to 26 games is when three point shot percentage kind of uh, stabilizes and is kind of what it is for the course of the season. And like, this isn't last season where where eight Mavericks had COVID for three weeks and they didn't play and they lost six in a row. Like, you know, Kristaps is playing, you know, Luca's playing, you know, they're not playing a, a ton. You know, I admit there is some injuries with Kristaps and, you know, Luca's missed the last three and Maxi had the bad back that doesn't help. But like these guys are still on the floor a decent amount. Uh, and like Dorian and Tim and Reggie, these guys that are struggling the most from three outside of Kristaps, like, They've been playing just about every game. Um, so I just don't it, 
it's a three point loss to a Lakers team that is starting to turn things around without Luca. And it shouldn't, I shouldn't be this doom and gloomy, but it's like if Luca's playing this game, the Mavericks probably win and they might, maybe they win by like double digits because the Lakers were hot garbage this game. Uh, but like, I just, these sub 30% three point shooting nights are just killing me. Like they're just killing my morale. I don't know what to do about it. And I think, I think like it, I, I agree with you that like a three point loss to a Lakers team that's starting to turn things around and we don't have Luca isn't something in a vacuum to be doom and gloomy about. But but it is like that's a game that good teams win in the final two minutes, or even like pretty good teams win those games. And the Mavericks just aren't I they aren't even pretty good. I think they're just average. Like I think they're just they're going to be right around 500 all season. I think that's what they are. I agree with you between 20 and 30 games at some point, it's not a small sample size anymore. It just, it is what it is. Um, going back a couple, a couple steps. Um, I think this, this really was the perfect game for people to just turn on, you know, get the notification on your phone that it's a close game, turn it on, watch the last minute and then watch overtime because that was entertaining in a gross way. That was entertaining in like a, in a way that like a, a fifth grade basketball game is entertaining where like kids are throwing up prayers from 20 feet and banking them and whatever, and whatever the NBA equivalent is of that. But the rest of the game was gross. I, I, I don't think I've seen that many air balls from start yeah. to finish in an NBA game on both sides too. Yeah. It, it wasn't, I don't even mean to make this like a, a Mav specific comment, like everyone was just missing everything. And I think um, it was just gross. And like, uh, I don't have this in front of me, so I could be wrong here, but um, with what you said about Chris Dapps, two of nine from mid range. Um, and I think he was one of seven from three also, yep. but those two, the two mid range shots that he made, I think were his first two of the game. I think he missed seven straight after that. Um, someone can correct me if I'm wrong because I don't have that in front of me. But um, so funny enough, uh, they were actually he made both of those in the second half. Um, oh, but am, what, what what you're what you're talking about? He did make he made two shots that were in the paint, but not at the rim. So like around the mm-hmm. free throw line. Uh, so mm-hmm. te- okay. I mean, those are kind of like mid range shots, but you know the NBA. Yep, yep. You know it's the NBA counts in a different way so you're you're, you're kind of right there so i know what you mean but yeah um okay yep either way it's yeah, yeah it's it's just it was gross it really like it wasn't good basketball that's not a game you'd want to show anyone if you're like hey check out how fun basketball is and look at the nba that's not a game you want to show them no. um it's the best part of the game was probably that guy that brought a sign for Mark Cuban. <laughs> yeah, telling him, uh, "Hey, hey, Mark, you know, Mavs Twitter are real fans." Uh, apparently, Mark uh, saw it, and apparently, that fan was standing up during every stoppage of play, and he was—he had really good seats. He sat like right behind the Mavs bench, uh, and he was pointing yep. the sign and looking at Cuban the whole time. I think Cuban eventually saw it and signed it because. Uh, no, that's Mark. Mark likes the 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 good PR move. Uh, he he'll never pass up an opportunity for for good P, for good PR. Um, it's weird. It's weird that like um, 
physical appearances in person don't have to be exclusive of owning a Twitter account. Um, but anyways, yeah, I want to, I want to stick with Przingis cause he kind of felt like he was like the barometer. I feel like for this team, I feel like when the Mavericks went on their runs, he was really good. And when the Mavericks were struggling, he was really bad. Like, I yep. feel like the team kind of ebbed and flow with his performance. Um, he had an incredible start to the fourth quarter and he finished the fourth mm-hmm. quarter pretty well. well. I don't know if he finished it pretty well, but he had such a great start. Uh, he had that, they started off, he hit like a mid-range bucket. He had like a block shot and a fast break where he made that behind the back pass to, to Dorian in the corner who then drove and got a layup. And then he came down again and hit a three and the Mavericks were up seven in like the first two minutes of the fourth quarter. And, it just kind of went to show you like, wow, when he, when he is good, this team is good. Like they are very, like when he's playing like an all-star, which he was for those first two or three minutes of the fourth quarter, like the Mavericks look like a completely different team. Um, unfortunately for the rest of the game, you know, for other long stretches of the game, he was just terrible. Uh, he had some good defensive moments, but offensively he was, I mean, he took, um, I mean, he took 16 jumpers mid range and three, and he only made three of them. Um, he had Austin Reeves on him a couple times in the post and he took, you know, long twos against him. I mean, the Lakers were daring him to beat him, beat them at the rim with a small, cause they were like, all right, well, we're not going to give you, uh, an easy rim run. Uh, we're just going to switch a small onto you right away. Go, you know, we'll dare you to beat us in the post. We'll take our chances. And Kristaps settled for so many long twos. He only had four shots at the rim. And when you consider how often the Lakers had a small on him, that's unacceptable, like completely unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's Mm -hmm. all on Przingis or if it's on the coaching staff or it's on the, you know, did guys, you know, I need to rewatch it. Like did guys need to, to find him at the basket where they're not passing it to him at the basket. But I remember at least two or three, maybe even four, shot attempts from him where he had a small on him and he was taking a long two. And that's just mm-hmm. really disappointing considering he's been much better about getting the small on him and getting to the paint and sealing and then finishing. So I don't know what it was tonight. He didn't do that as great as his defense was eight of 20. You can't, can't have eight, eight of 23. That's terrible. Like it's right. a terrible shooting night. Uh, and his def- you know, he had five turnovers. Uh, in 39 minutes so you know his defense is what maybe kept the game closer than what it maybe should have when you consider the Mavericks offensive performance but you know you play both sides of the floor uh, and they pay him to play above average on both sides of the floor and he was just not good offensively and that was disappointing because the Lakers only played one big on the floor uh, all game and they only played DeAndre Jordan eight minutes off the bench so it was Anthony Davis at center and then perimeter players, you know, all the way around. And Chris Lopps couldn't make them pay in the paint and he really needed to. And that was disappointing to me. And that like Chris Stapps, like you said, he played really well on defense. Um, I think if you want to, if you want to take something positive from this, the block shot on a Russell Westbrook layup attempt, it was, I think off of Austin Reeves, pass it was a really nice pass it looked like it was a guaranteed bucket and Chris Tapps recovered moved laterally really well got a really nice block that's I mean at least at least we saw that but yeah. like you said that that can't coincide with an eight of 23 and I think 
I mean, this this game was really like the pinnacle and the perfect example of why people wonder if Chris Stapps is a qualified two to Luca's one because when things are clicking and Luca's on the court too, then Chris Stapps does look like a good number two. But when Luca's injured or off the court or whatever, KP just doesn't function as a one. He his his shot creation is mid to high post fadeaway jumper, and it just doesn't work. He's not he he's just not as good of a shooter as he thinks he is. Um, and and I don't know. I mean, I think a, another positive. Um, is you mentioned him a little bit earlier, but Jalen Jalen looked incredible. Um, he is kind of the opposite of KP in that he doesn't have the physical tools, but his feel for the game is like off the charts. Um, that that's one area with KP too that's so frustrating is the feel isn't there. Like after that really nice block he had. Um, Dorian had an opportunity for a dunk in transition and KP like ran down the middle of the lane for a late seal and it brought his man into Dorian. Um, so it ended up really not materializing into anything because the, the feel for the game just, just isn't there. And it's frustrating because you want it to be. And I, I don't know. I feel like I'm all over the place, but also that's how the game was. So no, it's an indicative. It's, I'm trying- it's an, okay. Yeah. I was just going to say the pot is indicative of the game. Yeah. Uh, I believe the Mavericks are now two and five without Kristaps or without Luca. The mm-hmm. two wins, of course, one against an Oklahoma city team that has like one of the worst rosters in the NBA. Uh, and present. And the other was the, of course the Charlotte game where seemingly everything went right. Uh, and Kristaps played well in that game. I mean, that was probably like that first half against Charlotte was like the best basketball I think he's played in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, and then to follow it up with this game, uh, things aren't going to get easier. You know, Minnesota is a very inconsistent team. They're below the Mavericks in the standings, but with Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, like just two electric dynamic talents, um, that's going to be, that's going to be a challenge. Um, and the Mavericks. Like you said, I just I'm running out of things to describe this team because they keep losing, you know, the same way. Like the offense was just horrible. Um, I just don't know what to say. We probably need to address the Tim Hardaway Jr. was terrible uh, because I know probably people listening are going to get really mad that we're talking about KP being really bad or Dorian being really bad when Tim Hardaway was horrible on offense and then just played a, a dog crap game defensively um that's the thing with timmy Mm -hmm. is that his defense is below average despite what people say about him and occasionally he will you know he takes some charges occasionally in some one-on-one scenarios he holds up well but in terms of being a team defender he is he is brutal and Mm -hmm. he he got some some buckets to fall in the fourth quarter and overtime but there was a stretch there by like the third through the third quarter where this dude was taking some horrific shots uh i mean he was just getting the ball taking two or three dribbles and taking like a 20 footer and he's taking more diff you know he's having a bad shooting season and i don't have the stats in front of me but i mean he's he has to be taking more contested shots worse shots and 
like, yeah, he's missing some open threes, but the the other shots that he's taking that aren't the open threes are almost turnover level quality shots. And when you combine that with really subpar defensive awareness, it's just, it's a bad combination. I know his numbers look like, okay. Like he had 20 points and nine rebounds. He was a plus nine, but man, oh man, some of those shots he was taking were just brutal and like not even close on some of them. Um, I mean, this guy has not shot 50% from the floor since December 1st in that new Orleans win. I mean, 36.8 from the floor tonight, 41 uh, against Charlotte, 22% against OKC. Uh, and he's just, he's just anything in his three point shot is, is off, but it's not like it doesn't feel, I mean, it feels, it's pretty off, but like the last two games, you know, he's five of 11, four of 11, you take that. But his, his two point percentage is horrible. Uh, and he's, I feel like he's taking less shots at the rim and more two point jumpers, which is not a good formula. And I don't know. It just, his effort was very dispiriting. Like some of the shots he took, just took the wind out of my sails. And I can't even imagine what it's like if you're playing uh, on the floor, watching him shoot that and how dejecting that is. So. Yeah. Um, he, yeah. if, if Tim doesn't make a few of those, a couple of those shots towards the end, I think, the Tim conversation is probably leading the pod after the game. Um, he saved himself a little bit with a couple shots just for like box score checking. Um, but you're right about his effort and his shot selection. And the weird thing too, is I, I just, before we started recording, I came, I was in the um, post game zoom press conference and a reporter asked Tim, um, if they, if he thought the team was getting good quality looks and stuff like that, and if they just weren't falling, and he said he thought that the looks were all quality, and he th- he feels like they're getting great looks, and that they just aren't falling. And I'm gonna I'm gonna have to double check after we wrap this up to make sure that it was him that said that, and I'm not mixing it up with someone else's response. But I'm pretty sure it was Tim that said that, which is, uh a little baffling and ironic um, given his own shot selection and decision-making at times, but yeah, Tim just hasn't been good. And I don't know, I don't know what to do with that because I mean, they just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sounding the alarms by any means, but just with his new contract and where do things go from here? And it's just, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Um, he's just shooting too many, too much after dribbling. Like I think he's dribbling way too much. And I don't know if that's because with Jason kid, kid is imploring him to do more. And, you know, when he played under Rick Carlisle, Rick Carlisle's offense had very strict roles and structure for, for role players. And, Maybe getting a little bit more leash on the offensive end is funking funking that up a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. But also, like, I'm just concerned because he had more of a leash on the offensive end earlier in his career in New York. And maybe the reason, like, maybe some of these guys need the structure to thrive. 
like it's it's very clear that Jason Kidd is opening things up for these guys, and he wants them to make more intuitive plays. He wants them to do more than just stand in the corner or spot up and shoot jumpers. He wants them to cut. He wants them to dribble. He wants them to drive. He wants them to do a lot of different things. He wants to free them up to do more. And the more I watch this team, the more I'm like, maybe what they were doing before is the best of their ability, like is, is, is milking them for what they're worth. And maybe the reason they haven't been doing that stuff is because they can't. Yeah. Um, And that's terrifying to me. Um, I mean, we've seen way too much Dorian dribbling this season. You know, I saw Maxi earlier in this game. I think you, uh, you know, Maxi actually had, you know, Maxi had a pretty decent game. He guarded LeBron pretty well, but like Maxi had like a weird, fading long like two-point shot in the paint that's like i get it but uh these guys are just taking some shots that they don't normally take and i know that a lot of it was because well you look in the playoffs and these guys weren't making their threes you have to be able to do something else and like i agree but the answer i think the answer to that question is you got to get different players like i don't i don't think it's like you got to use these players differently i think you just got to get better players uh and it's just it's just really difficult to watch this team play right now. It's just it's not an enjoyable brand of basketball. Um, they make baffling decisions. They take baffling shots, and then then the probably the most frustrating at all is that for like you know the five or six or however many good shots they do get, like good jumpers, they miss them, uh, and it's mm-hmm. just it's tough. Uh, maybe I'm I'm eulogizing a little bit too much they do play minnesota back-to-back games and as much as carl anthony towns and anthony edwards scare the daylights out of me i mean those are two winnable games uh because memphis you know minnesota is a young team that has struggled a lot this season uh they've had some pretty good wins but they i mean they're below the mavericks in the standings they're 13 and 15 for a reason and they've had some very difficult games so I don't know. Maybe that, that that I just don't know where the get right stretch is. Like we keep waiting, you know. And I just I don't know how much longer you can wait. Yeah, I think um, t- two things. Going back to what you were saying about kid and his empowerment, empowering the players to expand their games and do more. I, it's great in theory, but it's at the same time, like you said, like some of these guys just can't do that. Just can't do, they. Like I, I think they do need the structure, and I think, um, and maybe there's a maybe there's a mix. Like maybe it could be more empowering than Carlisle's running the offense, but less empowering than Kid is doing it. I don't, I don't have the answers. I'm obviously not qualified to make those decisions, but, but it does feel like everyone feels a little too free to just kind of do what they want. Um, and try to create and try to be these players that they haven't been before. And I don't think, I mean, it's great if everyone's happy and smiling post game and talking about how they're getting empowered to expand their games and all this stuff. But is it great if you're like winning and losing games like the Mavs are, I don't know. Um, And I think going, moving on to the Minnesota piece, um, I I'm, terrified of those two games um i think correct me if i'm wrong but did they rule out luca for both of them already uh luca hasn't been ruled out uh for those okay games yet. okay okay so and it's and they don't play 
It's it's I don't, I just had the schedule in front of me. Uh, they don't play Sunday till Sunday, Sunday, so that's yep. Two, three. That's three. They get three full days off. Uh, and I think tomorrow. I think Minnesota. I mean Minnesota. Let's see. Yeah, they beat Denver tonight convincingly. Um, they're very up and down, like you said. They honestly, top to bottom, might have more talent than the Mavs do. Um, just all around. And it, it frightens me that these are probably two games that Minnesota has circled because that's a real opportunity for them to make up ground in the standings. Um, especially if Luke is out and Minnesota thinks they can steal two from Dallas and really flip things. Um, I think it's hard to beat teams back to back, especially in the regular season. Um, no matter who you are, my gut, is that they'll probably split these two um, regardless, but it, it terrifies me and I don't even want to know. I love Anthony Edwards so much and I'm just terrified of what he's going to say after the game, exposing the guys on the team. <laughs> yeah, that'll be tough. Uh, I wanted to look this up before we left. Are we all running out of time? um about you know or the numbers matching what we're saying about Tim dribbling more so last season um nba.com and this is nba.com shot tracking so you know take it take it for what it's worth um last season Tim Hardaway Jr 21.6% of his total shots came after 3 to 6 dribbles and he shot 45 46% on, on those. Uh, this season he is at that frequency is up to 23.8%. Um and he is shooting 31% on yeah. those shots. So Yo. There that, you have it. Yeah, that appears to be, you know, you know, I know that's a small number, 21, it's basically 21 to 23%. Uh, but that's it's almost a shot, an extra shot attempt per game. Uh, and, you know, I mean, that thing that adds up over a season. Um, and then it has cascading effects on the rest of his game. If he's taking more of those shots, uh, you know, it's taking away from the better ones. So we'll see. We'll see what the Mavericks can do. You know, we've got about eight minutes left. So I think we should get out of here. Let people try to enjoy what they can of their, their Wednesday night. Uh, Kirk is out of town, but I think he's doing a green room, uh, as we speak. So obviously if you're listening to this, uh, you've either already participated in the green room or, you know, look forward to seeing that in your podcast feed, uh, sometime thir- on Thursday. Um, and otherwise we got some content going on on the site. We have a lot. I feel like Kirk might have a lot to talk about whenever next time we talk, because there's the Kyrie Irving trade rumor that came out from a New York reporter that's fairly well sourced <laughs> with Christoph Porzingis. We had the bombshell Tim McMahon, Rick Carlisle story that we didn't even touch on tonight that I'm sure that we will shortly after, but there's been a lot of news with the Mavericks in addition to some of these games. So we'll probably get to it all. And I'm, I, we got it on the site. Uh, our guy, you know, our staff is right, is plugging away. I think we got the Kyrie story on the site right now. And the, and the, the story about uh, Tim McMahon's Rick Carlisle piece will be on the site, I think, Thursday as well. So check it all out. You know, Mavs lose, but we got a lot of good stuff on the site. Luke, thanks again for joining me. That's two in a row. I appreciate it, man. Oh, it's what a blessing. Shout out <laughs> Jalen Brunson.
Hell yeah. I mean, that they would have lost by they would have lost by infinity points if he wasn't as good as he was tonight. Um, so he needs to be good again. Uh, hopefully Luke is back. But again, Mavericks lose to the Los Angeles Lakers in Dallas Wednesday night, 107-104 in overtime. You were listening to Josh Bo, Luke Askew, one of our, our dedicated staffers. This is Mavs Moneyball After Dark, and we will talk to you next time. Uh-huh.